This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds. It's your Monday weekly spot for the weird, wild, and wacky in the sports world. As me, it was again weird and wild and wacky there to get our show going. It's Halloween, baby. Goosebumps. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> I did see you tweeting about that. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Welcome to Out of Bounds here on the Know Your News Network. And it's going to be a fun one. I got no doot about it. I really should have worn a costume now that I'm thinking about it. I dropped yeah. the ball there. That's on last me. year. This is when I broke out the Muppet last year. Well, this is the problem, John, is that I still. So the good news is that I'm coming at you from my kitchen table. So that was built this weekend in my absence That's while good. I was in Pittsburgh. So we have a kitchen table now. Um, the bad news is the desk is the bi week project this week. So uh, the hope is that the home studio will be up running next week or the following week. And then I would have all my fun toys and stuff. And now all I have for you is candle holders right now. So, hey, it's a start. It's a yeah. start. You have a good birthday. I did. Yes. Went to a restaurant here in town that I've been dying to go to for years. Um, and it actually is now just about five miles from my new house. So that was tremendous. Um, had some nice shrimp and grits, which I know you appreciate a good order right. of shrimp and grits, especially with some fried okra and some um, sausage and or chorizo actually was in there. It was fantastic. So shout out to Ember and Iron. That was great. Um, but as we mentioned, my birthday smack in the middle of two Jaguars road trips that I were, I was really excited about. I hadn't been to new Orleans since 2015 and I had never been to Pittsburgh. And so back to back fun road trips that also surrounded the birthday week. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. You got some Permanti brothers. That was the real deal. I did. Um, so it was interesting because so the other three writers that I went to dinner with, two of them have been to Pittsburgh many a time, and they felt like it was a subpar Permanente Brothers compared to what they've had. Mm. I, of course, had no frame of reference. The other one had only ever been to, I guess there's one in Fort Lauderdale, and he went to FAU. And so mm. he was like, this one's better, but it's still not my favorite. Maybe it's because they got straight meat. I went with the LDC or whatever they call it, the Larry, Dave, and Chuck or whatever, and it was electric. I mean, so I substituted roast beef for turkey. So it was capicola, bacon, roast beef, the French fries, the cheese, extra provolone. And the bread I thought was great. And I know like some people were like ragging me online and dragging me and they're like going on and on about how it's not good bread. Like we're from New Jersey. I know what good Italian bread is and that was good Italian bread. So maybe Mm. they just didn't get a good sandwich and I did. Interesting. I've had permanentes. I really liked it. Yeah. So I've I had a good experience. I can't remember what I got, but I had their uh their red ale too, which was fantastic. Um I tried the IC, which I guess is like the signature, the light. Like that's like the signature beer of Pittsburgh. Mm. Beats and you me. know me, I don't discriminate when it comes to beer. It was all right. No, it wasn't anything don't. to cry home about. I did have some pumpkin beer though, John, and that was what this was the season. Top on my priority list, being back in an area where you could see the leaves changing, although they are kind of changing here in Jacksonville a little I, bit. We're supposed to have highs in the 60s. Yeah, pumpkin beers I'm hit or miss with, but mm-hmm. I do remember our, our pal Mark Spillane, when we were in college, he got me into uh, Traveler's Jack O'Shandy, yes. and that was very tasty. That was yeah. very tasty. I like that a good quite one. A- yeah, this was the, um, the Pump King. Me, I had the Pump King, um, which, you, you know, you can get that anywhere. But I was like, I am in 
a state where it is dreary and looks like fall, I need a pumpkin beer. And so I had to, I had to thrive in that moment. So. Well, if you'd like to thrive with us here on Out of Bounds, you can head on over to kynchat.com. Leave us a super chat there to get your comment right on air. Or if you're watching via YouTube, you can just comment right there and we will get it up for you. That's what you were drinking this weekend. What are you drinking now? Oh, so the good news is that we've completely cleared the fridge of the miscellaneous beer and white claws and what have you, although um, still a good amount of, um, what's it called? What's the, the the soda of Carolina? Why am I blanking on the red one? Why am I blanking on the name of it? Someone in the comments helped me on that one. We still have plenty of that. Cheer wine, cheer wine, lots of cheer wine still. Um, no one in this house is drinking it. So if anybody would like some, please let me know. Um, so the good news is I can now return to some of my IPAs, namely my Lagunitas um, that I had sitting in the cupboard. Do it. So I we can now dive on it. back in. So this one, oh, also I got the, the throwback for the six and two Jaguars because uh, John, and this is going to be my toast. Um, the last time the Jaguars started six and two was. 1995. 1999. Nine. So we're partying. Like, like it's 1999. You know also, my friends and I threw a 1999 theme party earlier this well, year? Well, I also was going to lead off the show by asking you, in, in celebration of the Jaguars, John, um, where were you in 1999? Um, well, we threw a 1999 theme party, and it featured a lot of relics that I had personally from the year 1999, including the 1999 New York Yankee yearbook, which I left out on the counter during the party. And at the end of the party, I said, you might have thought that this was just party scenery. No, 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 no. If you scrolled through the book, turn the pages. Good for you, because we're going to do a contest right now, and whoever can name the most 1999 Yankees is going to win a prize. So it was a trick, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Okay, very cool. Uh, I'm drinking this Knob Creek smoked maple whiskey, which I use tonight to cook. Maple bourbon, hot honey, smoked salmon. That was to die for. I haven't had this out of the bottle yet. So let's give it up. There it is. And uh, cheers to the 6 and 2 1999 Jaguar. I don't know. Here we go. We're partying like it's 1999, even though we were drinking apple juice back then. It's all good. That's actually my favorite part is that they uh, mm. the Jags tweeted it out and they're like, where were you Woo. in 1999? And Travis Etienne goes, being born. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is excellent. Uh, I didn't cough. Notice that. Um, I did. That's how you know it's smooth. Uh, here's what wasn't smooth. This football <laughs> game. What a segue. What a segue. So organic, too. A subject very close to your heart, John, and also your profession. Uh, the Giants and the Jets, New York Super Bowl come to life. Um, it was the worst football game you've ever seen. The Jets win 13-10 in overtime. There were 24 total punts. The Jets fielded a fourth-string center. Tyrod Taylor goes to the hospital for his ribs. Enter Tommy DeVito. He of negative one passing yards. Yes, folks, he played more than a half of football. The Giants had minus nine passing yards on the game. Graham Gano missed two field goals, and the Giants somehow, someway, had a 99% win probability with under a minute left, and they blew it. Did anyone actually win this game? No, this game was terrible. My friend who, for whatever reason, decided to go with his dad left at halftime, and it had this thrilling conclusion. But there was nothing actually entertaining about this. I mean, it was, as our thumbnail describes, uh, it was a beautiful disaster. 
And I think that's even being kind to it because I don't think it was very beautiful, honestly. I can't remember the last time that I watched a football game and it just felt like for both teams, the Benny Hill music was playing underneath it. Like we talked at the beginning of this football season right here on this program, how that Giants Cowboys game might've been one of the worst football games ever played. This blew it away. I couldn't believe the pure ineptitude to do anything productive by either of these teams. You could say their defense has played well. Okay, sure. But also the offenses were so piss poor that I think I could have had four sacks on the day. Uh, The Giants squandered this one, a game they absolutely should have won given how they played in the end there. But the way I see it, Mia, Giants losing is like the best thing that could happen for them. Because a win, they're not a playoff team either way, right? So a win would have only furthered your draft stock uh, it would have maybe convinced you to hold on to some players instead of dealing them. And today, as we record this, they've already traded Leonard Williams, and I'd imagine there's some more deals to come. Uh, terrible football game. Nobody wins this game. The Jets can be happy about the win because it keeps them on that playoff hunt, and they're above 500. But can you truly take a lot of pride in how you played that one out there? I think Zach Wilson's cheering and so excited because look at him. He was able to lead the Jets hey, to another Zach Wilson overtime win. He made some great throws. He also took a 30-yard sack that pinned oh, them yeah. on their own 20 Not um, with well. two minutes to go. So, I mean, you can blame Nate Hackett. You can blame Zach Wilson for that. He, he looks better uh, for what it's worth, which is not saying a whole heck of a lot. He looks better than he did a season ago. So I do think the offseason coaching with Aaron Rodgers did pay off in that regards. Um, would I be starting him if Aaron Rodgers can't go week one next year? Because, yeah, the playoff thing isn't happening, um, both because they're not going to make it and also Aaron Rodgers is not physically going to be back. So you're saying the they're not here. making it, period. What's that? You're saying they're not making it, period. Yeah, I don't think they're making it, period. Right. I think the AFC is way too loaded. And, like, even quirky teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to find their way okay. to eight or nine wins faster than this team is. Okay. I know that their schedule is a little bit soft upcoming, um, but they also still play in the AFC East. I think the Patriots are kind of finding a little bit of a rhythm. They at least hung with the Dolphins this past weekend. We know what the Dolphins can do. The Bills, I'm not going to count them out. They just signed Leonard Fournette today, even though we know they don't run the ball. Um, But they are trying to fill the holes of which they have. So I don't think they're going to be able to win the East for for certain. And that wild card spot, I think the AFC North is just absolutely loaded. Then you consider the fact that the Chargers may have found something in the West. And then you factor in who the heck are the Houston Texans. I know they lost yesterday but they could factor into that wild card race just as much as the Jets could. Um, so, yeah, I I don't see a world in which they make the playoffs. But, hey, I mean, if nothing else, Zach Wilson is proving he should still be the backup and the future, perhaps, after sitting behind A.A. Ron next year. Yeah. I Because there's at least growth. And, I mean, some of it you can no, credit to Garrett Wilson. I, I know Garrett Wilson's amazing. but He's I, amazing. I, I, please save our son, Garrett Wilson. He needs to be I taken just... out of quarterback hell. I just don't know how the NFL can be proud of the product they put out on that field in this game. No, they can't. But that's the Giants. It's the same exact Giants team that went to the playoffs last year. It was the Jets, too. And the Jets were putrid in this game. Uh, And guess what, John? You want to know the best news? I already broke this. Um, The Jets are going to be in Sunday Night Football in two weeks. They will not be flexing the Ravens and the Browns, I believe it is. Um, They will not be flexing the Jaguars and the 49ers. It will be... 
the Jets and the Raiders on Sunday Night Football in primetime. Yeah. Hope you like defense. Yeah, I mean, and look, the Jets' defense is very good. They they are. They are. But, you can't dismiss that. But and the Giants' defense is very good and too. Brees I mean, Hall now, is fun. I love Brees Hall. Now losing Leonard Williams, not, not as much, but I uh, I can't believe this atrocity of a football game was allowed to be played. Honestly, they should have called it. Like, and it also was, the weather wasn't that bad. No, nah, like, it wasn't great. It wasn't. It wasn't, great. A, it wasn't like the Cowboys Giants game. That no, was a monsoon. Minus nine passing yards. The crowd was chanting, "Let him throw it at Brian Dayball." Um, what regression from Brian Dayball as a head coach this year too? You can blame players all you want, but you can blame them giving him the award. I mean, he was great last year. He was great last year. But this year, certainly not. It really does feel like this is what happened with Eric Mangini years ago with the Jets, ironically, and how he just flamed out in season two after having all that pomp and circumstance in year one. He inherited a pretty good roster, too. He did. And I don't think Brian Dable inherited a good roster last year. I think he maximized that roster. It's he similar did. to the next team we're going to talk about who won what they were 13 and one in one score games last year, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. There was no way physically they could duplicate that this season. And now it's rearing. Its Do ugly the Giants head. trade Saquon Barkley this week? <sighs> Somebody tried, you know, having me spread a rumor that the Jags are trading for him. No, I don't see a world in which that happens. They um, should. They should, quite honestly. I mean, I say that now. It's 6.13 on Monday. I'm going to get a kick out of if I get a text at like 1.30 tomorrow, and that's who it is. Because I was told that there is a mystery player who is a bona fide, makes the Jags the Super Bowl juggernaut. So I assumed it was a defensive pass rusher, um, but maybe it's Saquon. I mean, I they should, any team should check in on Saquon. I think He looks good. Crazy, I mean, huh? it's a matter of if he's, he's healthy. He's one of the best backs in the league. There's no yeah. question about it. And running behind an effective offensive line, because obviously the Giants' offensive line has been well-documented on this program, is beat up as the day Saquon, is long. Saquon could take a playoff contender deep into the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. If, if they go from playoff contender to we are having a chance. That's probably football. who the Bills should have traded for. And no. so I guess they kicked the tire. I would hope they kicked the tires. I heard they kicked the tires on Derrick Henry, too. And the Titans aren't budging because now they think they have a quarterback. Um, and, and instead they signed Lenny, which, I mean, you know, they're not going to run the ball anyways. Yeah, and we will see. I can't believe this game. Like, I knew this was going to be a bad football game. I can't believe it. Was I just can't stand it, it because it's like how – like the I can't tell who's more annoying. The Jets or the Steelers that they keep finding these quirky ways to win. And I'm like, your offense is anemic. I mean, like, the Giants handed this game to the Jets. They handed it to them. Handed it. Nathaniel Hackett will be sending Christmas cards yeah. to Brian Dayball staff. This well, let's let's Christmas. talk about offense because mm-hmm. offense was a big thing this week yeah. in the NFL. Tons of quarterbacks. R.I.P. Kirk. Tons of quarterbacks either got hurt or they had their worst games of the season this week. Tyrod Taylor, as we mentioned, he had the rib injury. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins towards Achilles. He's done for the year, and he was a guy that a lot of people thought might be on the trade block. He's done. Brock Purdy stunk. He's been bad the last few weeks. 49ers have come down to earth. Taylor Heineke replaced Desmond Ritter. Will Levis replaced Ryan Tannehill. What the hell was in the water under center this week in the NFL? Hey, you forgot about P.J. Walker nearly leading the Browns to a win over the Seahawks. Oh, Mm -hmm. also how about the reclamation project of Russell Wilson? Uh, And 
You forgot. And Mahomes had Mahomes had his worst game of his career. Yeah, I thought flu games meant that you would be better. Um, He was not. You're also forgetting our one shining true star, John Alba, which is, of course, Tyson Badgett, um, who, as reported by many Chicago radioites, um, for Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth to heap the praise they did on a guy who was 25 of 37 for 232, zero touchdowns and two picks, um, means that. Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze were in their ears during the pre-show meeting mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, yeah, we love this guy. Justin could learn a thing or two from him. As in Justin Fields, their starting quarterback who's hurt, um, who was a top 11 pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, that one was weird for me. Um, the Russell Wilson reclamation project is fascinating. I think it was a blip on the radar. I think it was a benefit beneficiary of Mahomes not being 100% snow game. First time that it Denver has beaten the Chiefs since Peyton Patrick Manning Mahomes, was their quarterback. Speaking of QBs. It's just crazy because Patrick Mahomes' dad played Major League Baseball. You would think he could handle the elements. Someone's got to do a super cut of every time I mention that here on this podcast. <laughs> no, it was a wacky week. And I think what's so fascinating for me is that it is going to make tomorrow's trade deadline so interesting. And that's why I think outside of Leonard Williams, it was pretty quiet today because, I mean, that's the nature of the trade deadline in the NFL. It's usually like the morning and afternoon before that that's where people start getting moved quickly. Um because in a situation like Kirk Cousins, right? So I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. It's well known that there are multiple teams interested in Daniel Hunter, the NFL's leader in sacks right now. I was talking to a couple people at the office about this, and I was like, well, if you don't have your quarterback and your backup is Jaron Hall, who's never started an NFL game, like the season's over. Sorry to Minnesota. Um, to which they said, yeah, but can you really say, like, you lost your quarterback for the season on one day and then you traded your premier defender the next day like what does that say to the fan base what sort of PR move is that to which I say it's hey we're going to rebuild and reload um because they already were going to be in a cap space situation that maybe wasn't too favorable Kirk Cousins was in the final year of his deal to begin with and so you already were gonna have to make a decision on a quarterback at the end of the season and I don't think it's just them because now you look at the Titans and if they did find something in Will Levis well, now you're going to say goodbye to Ryan Tannehill and his it, massive contract, which you were going to do anyways. But now maybe you don't move Derrick Henry. Maybe you don't move some of those defensive pieces because you already moved Kevin Byard. Mm-hmm. But now you're like, okay, well, maybe we can compete at least for a wild card spot or hope the Jags falter and something weird happens like last year. Um, and then you look at the Chargers, who now sitting at three and four, akin to the Vikings at four and four, and they're like, hey, do we still have a shot at this thing? Because when we're at our peak, we can be really good. And so I actually think the wacky day for quarterbacks – oh, and I didn't even mention the Falcons. Very weird. Very weird. <clears throat> Desmond Ritter was never the answer. But now, if you're Atlanta, you spent all this money in the offseason – to build that defense and to compete now. And you traded for Van Jefferson, who dropped a critical pass yesterday. And you still have, like, in terms of first-round playmakers, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson on rookie deals, which is mm-hmm. absurd. Um, oh, maybe that's who the mystery player is. Anyways, um, so I, I, I just think that Atlanta's in a very precarious situation, too, because it's like, well, do you, like, say, all right, we're going to start Tyler you know, Heineke, Taylor Heineke, and, like, see what happens. But then, like, you've given up on Ritter, which means you don't have a plan aside from, all right, we got to draft a quarterback in April. And so I think yesterday's quirkiness is going to rear its ugly head tomorrow. I feel so bad for Tyrod Taylor. Same. You're the, third per- you're the third person today to say that to me. And what's funny is when Kirk Cousins went down, somebody, like, texted me and was like, well, I mean – 
they could trade for Tyrod because Danny Dimes is coming back. I'm like, he's still in the hospital. <laughs> like, leave this man alone. Like, between his rib injury, he had that spleen injury years ago. Like, this guy's just had it rough, and he's, for all intents and purposes. Hell, he had, he had a team doctor doctor puncture his lung. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. It like, happen. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he seems like a great teammate. He manages the ball well. He took playing in New York with grace and did a really good job. So I hope he's all right. I'll Are you ready for there. a bit of a breaking news, by the way? This is a quarterback situation worth watching. Um, so apparently the tank may be on in Arizona again. Oh, I did see this. Yes. Jonathan Gannon says that Josh Dobbs is not starting against the Browns. If Kyler Murray isn't healthy, they will turn to the fifth round rookie. Clayton Toon. My question is, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, who everyone thought was tanking, they're sitting at one and seven with the one win, the improbable victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Um, if Kyler can't go this upcoming week, now you fall to one and eight. Why are you bringing Kyler back in the first place? Pressure. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't understand. Like, I understand he wants to I play. I mean, why are the Giants bringing back Daniel Jones? You're not wrong. Well, because they're paying him a lot, which is the same with but, Tyler. But for the for the love of this man's health and his future, he's going to take one sack, and that's his season. Guess what? That sack is the first two drives of the of the game. I hope a lot of that money was guaranteed that he got in March. A lot of it was, but I don't know, man. I feel so bad. A lot of court, the quarterbacks is the quarterback is the premier position in the league. And these poor men, yes, they've gotten their nice paydays, but they are dropping like flies. Wait, I'm realizing right. now, as I get ready to tee you up on our next topic, we also didn't talk about the return of Mitchell Trubisky because another quarterback who got hurt on Sunday, John, Kenny Pickett, who was hit, no roughing the passer call by the Aussie, Adam Gotsis. And so Mitchell Trubisky replaces... Kenny Pickett under center in Pittsburgh. At that point, it was a one-score game between the Steelers and the Jags. Lo and behold, later in the game, with the Jags leading by eight, I believe it was at that point, Jaguar safety Dewey Wingard, Andrew Dewey Wingard, picks off Mitch Trubisky, all but sealing the victory, although they would pick him off in the end zone on a meaningless final drive. And his celebration, as he told me, John, it wasn't meant to play out quite this way. But as he was running down the field with the rest of the Jags defense, a couple of the outside linebackers grabbed those notorious Pittsburgh terrible towels, which it should be noted that earlier last week, Trevor Lawrence referred to as the little tiny yellow towels affectionately and then heaped praise onto the Pittsburgh organization. He did. But... There it was, the little tiny towels being waved by the entire Jags defense after Pittsburgh fans threw the towels at them, and they all took off down the field celebrating with them. Uh, Dewey posted this morning um, saying, I can't believe all these crybabies are getting upset about the little tiny towels. Um, I will tell you from being the one who posted all these videos of Dewey in the locker room, John, my mentions have been filled with Steelers fans who feel just absolutely gutted. Pat McAfee did a whole five-minute monologue about this. These people are so proud of their damn towels. And so I ask you, what is the silliest fan tradition well, in sports? Let me let me turn that on you real quick first. Maybe the question should be, 
Did the Jaguars actually disrespect them? With no, them? the fans threw the towel at them. Right. Also, for for what it's worth, uh, to you Giants fans listening, Evan Ingram told me post game he actually had a teal towel tucked into his padding, and if he had scored a touchdown, which he had ten catches for eighty eight yards, but no touchdown. Sorry, Giants fans. Um, he was planning on like running around with it in the end zone, and that was his plan. Um, that would have been funny because it's a teal towel, and like I might have gotten you a fine though. Oh, this is going to get Dewey a fine. Yeah. He said Josh Allen's going to pay it for him. But, yeah. he, oh, yeah, he's absolutely getting fined for it. But the fans threw the towels at them. Once you bring a prop into the equation, you're going to get We talked about fine. this last week, didn't we? We literally were just talking about this last week. Like, let there be fun in the NFL again. No, I don't disagree. Uh, what's, what's the most silly or ridiculous fan tradition? Hmm. I Red know. Stick. Red Sox fans singing Sweet Caroline. No, I love that. No, I love that. Oh, no. I absolutely love that. We're putting Sweet Caroline to bed. No. And actually, no. no. Okay, I take it back. Sweet Caroline's emotional. I take it back. I take it back. It's the Washington Nationals doing Baby Shark and the fans all doing this. We hate Baby Shark in this house. There is no Baby Shark to be had in the Alba household. We ban the wave. We ban I was going to say, shark. you missed the obvious answer, which is the wave. But no, what the wave is not owned it's by any particular yeah. fan base. Right. We're talking about unique fan traditions. Like, I'm down with the Skull Chan. I think the Skull Chan. I think the Skull cool. Chan super cool. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. But Baby Shark, what are we doing here? The guys go into the plate and the crowds are just going like this. I mean, come on. I'm trying to think of some other ones right now. Um, I, I I love the Lambo leap. Shout out to my boy Leroy Butler, Jacksonville's own. Love that, that dude, Hall of Famer. Um, the Lambo leap's a great one. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that are better than the stupid little towels because what's funny is like they take such ownership of these little yellow towels, but now every major league sports team at some point or another in their history has done giveaways of towels and they've all waved them in the air. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's a pretty easy gimme if you're a promotions department. So the fact that they have taken such ownership of these yellow towels, which I understand go towards charity and, in you know, philanthropic purposes in the Pittsburgh area. And so I respect that. Um, but the fact that a towel has gutted you to your core because he waved it after one of your own threw it at him, who cares? Yeah, I don't make much of it at all, honestly. To me, again, I've talked about this on this podcast. I hate rabid sports fandom like so much. And like, it's this double-edged sword because on one hand you and I don't have jobs without rabid sports fandom existing. But on the other hand, it's just like, man, this is just beyond brutal. Uh, it's got to get, get this out of here. Get that out of there. I was going to bring up the, the Rangers and Creed because apparently now Creed yeah, is barking. Speaking of 1999, did you that's hear? They're going to be touring with Three Doors Down next are, year. I did see that. There will be a lot of middle-aged white men at those shows. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love. How, what do you think of a I, Florida Florida Gator football with um, I Won't Back Down? That, that's fun. That's fun. Um, I like that. Obviously, we all love the wave here. I mean, which, by the way, we didn't even address yet the fact that Iowa fired Brian Ferentz today. But we'll get to that at some point later. Yeah, I mean, I love Edwin Diaz with Narcos and Timmy Trumpet. Not that we saw any of that this year. I'm trying to think of like another like physical like object though. Like the skull is probably like the closest thing. Yeah. 
Like I can't think of like any other franchise in any sport that has like a tangible object that you're like, this is part of who we are. A lot of college sports traditions. Yeah, that's true. Like there's that, uh, that game every year where the fans stay super quiet until a point. Oh is yeah, yeah. The um the midnight, yeah, the one with yeah. the ba- college basketball, and then they, yeah. they score the first the silent night. The silent night, yeah. That one's kind of, sick. I love that. Cool. That's I mean, cool. I guess like the red bandana game at Boston College, but like mm. that's related to someone who passed away. So like, yeah. I mean, that's like an honor of a hero. So yeah. Let's move on to the baseball side of things. This one, this one's just crazy. This yeah. guy has been unbelievable. Tommy Pham, the talk of Major League Baseball during the World Series, went four for four in Arizona's game two win over the Rangers. Series tied up right now, and he gave up a chance at history to go five for five. Would have been the first person ever to go five for five in a World Series game in order to allow teammate Jace Peterson in that bat in the Fall Classic, the first of his career. This comes on the heels of Fam calling out his former Mets teammates from earlier this season, saying they didn't have the drive to make a run. Is Tommy Pham your new favorite baseball player? Is he controversial, man? Um, two things on this. One, John, isn't he the one that was in the fantasy baseball league? He was with Jock Peterson. Okay. Uh, so then let me one up that by noting that uh, because I was in the state of Pennsylvania, I may or may not have placed DraftKings little fun prop bet about who would be having X amount of hits on Saturday night. And Tommy Pham was not part of that parlay. So, um, yes, thank you to Adalis. Thank you to uh, Corbin Carroll for nothing. But I should have placed it on Tommy Pham because he got hot at the right time. Um, He's a guy who's been around the league for a while. And we actually, I think, talked about it last week. And I know I've talked about it with a lot of my friends and on XL Primetime. Like, name me besides Corbin Carroll – the most marquee name on the Diamondbacks. Oh, and it. what people have said is Evan Longoria, who almost retired like last year, and Tommy Pham. Yeah. So that's I, that's and, what's that's and, what's and I have no issue at all with him calling out his Mets teammates where I mean he was right. He got a trade to a team that is making a run here and has a chance to win the World Series. And maybe that lights a fire under the ass of those Mets players. At the end of the day, maybe they need a little something like that. I think it's good to see someone who's not a superstar kind of bit of a promo and seeing people care about that. I think that's great. And it brings some attention to this World Series. Unfortunately, game one of the World Series, which was one of the greatest World Series games ever played, by the way. I went to bed before the walk-off because yeah. I thought it was over. It was one of the greatest World Series games ever played. It did like record low viewership for game one, which is horrible because unfortunately these are just not teams that the masses are if super. The Diamondbacks or the Braves? What are those numbers? They're higher. They're not that much higher, but they're higher. So it has to be the Yankees, not the Rangers, or the Mets, not the Diamondbacks. Or the Dodgers or the Dodgers, something like yeah. that, or the Cubs. Yeah. But even the Phillies. The Phillies would have been higher too, but I, I don't have an issue with it. I'm not complaining about it. I mean, the Diamondbacks, what did I tell you when we found out, you know, that this, what the postseason was looking like? I said from the get go. After that wild card round, I was like, this Diamondbacks team reminds me so much of the 2003 Marlins. They can make a run here. And they've just been so fantastic. And you know, even despite that tough game one loss, to bounce back in the way they did with the resilience that they did in game two, led by someone like Tommy Pham, who has proven himself to be a quality overall player and now a great teammate who is ride or die with the guys around him. I think this is great for the game, and people who are poo-pooing it uh, are, are just missing out. 
They're just poo-pooing. I don't know. For some reason, poo-pooing made me laugh. I know. I agree, but that's baseball in general in 2023. The Diamondbacks led most of the way in the NL West. I don't think people understand that. The Dodgers did not lead that division most of the season. The Diamondbacks did. So this is not just lightning in a bottle. This is a team that was competitive throughout the course of the season. This is not even the Braves of two years ago who were sitting at 500 at the trade deadline. And so that's why if they win the World Series, I'm not going to be upset because two of the best teams truly of the past eight months are playing for it all. And one of them is going to win it. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with Aroldis Chapman not winning a World Series here, but... <laughs> well, he already has one, so there's not really much. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I'm good with... Are you good with him cutting the promo? Yeah, absolutely, the, uh, as he should. And I also appreciate being a good teammate and saying, eh, that's all right, I'm not in it for the personal records because, just like I said with the Mets, he walks the walk, he talks the talk. I appreciate that. We need more of that in 2023. Well, speaking of records, lots of records on this panel. Oh, right? yeah! that lineup all right so let's go left to right folks on the left you have esteemed um bruce beck and Ian eagle sports broadcasting camp alum and speaker kevin burkhart also the former color commentator of the new jersey jackals then you have alexander emmanuel rodriguez who requires no introduction big poppy cookie monster and of course el capitan Derek jeter John, I'm going to keep this one very simple because I had so many people this weekend since I was among sports writers and sports fans asking me this. Is this the most awkward sports panel in sports history? (laughs) I'm going to leave this picture up here for a hot second. So part of why I wanted to discuss this tonight was because um, a couple of the writers I was with are Red Sox fans, and they were like, I can't believe Poppy sits between these two. And I said, how do you think Derek Jeter feels sitting there next to A-Rod every night? They're like, yeah, like, that's got to be just emotionally, like, just so hard for him because he knows who A-Rod is. And I said, it's kind of like your crazy cousin who, like, you've just accepted long ago is, like, Never going to grow up. Always going to yeah, party too much. But, like, but you still love him anyway. Yeah, the, cap- the captain was just last year where he basically trashed A-Rod for being a POS. Like, this is not. And now they're sitting at the table together again. I, Who says I, and, you can't go home? And listen. I lost I lost our layout there. Hold on. Stand by. There we we go. were so excited to show you guys that picture. Because they're all smiling. They're all having a great time. You know, I love Derek Jeter. You know, I love Derek Jeter. You know, I love Derek Jeter. He's not very good. And you know, I love Alexander Emmanuel. He's not very good on TV, is Derek Jeter. No, he's awful. He's He's not very good forever. No, he he should should have. I understand the Marlins situation went awry, but like he needs to stay in ownership behind the scenes because that's where he thrives. Yeah, he just, and it's not that he doesn't have quality insight to provide. I think he's he just does. not good on television. The personality's just not there for TV. Never he, has been, even when his, he was playing. His interview with George Bush was one of the most awkward interviews I've ever seen on a television show. It was painful, um, but I know why they did it. It just was painful. I don't know how Derek Jeter sits and stares at A-Rod in good consciousness. And then Ortiz is just there with the Kermit the Frog, that's none of my business, sipping the tea. As the two of them are there on the panel. I won three together. World Series. You two, well, like Jeter won five. But yeah. yeah. A Rod won one. But I mean, how could he, in good consciousness, sit there and have a yucky, jolly all time with Alexander Emmanuel? I guess money. I, I no, I'm telling you, it's, it's like your crazy cousin who you can't stand, but you also can't avoid them. And you just, you have to go along with it. No, and but I mean, it just 
focuses in on the greater irony of Alex Rodriguez here and the rehabilitation that he somehow Forgive. pulled off. 13. That he somehow pulled off. I don't know how he did it. No one does. That's the best part. They're going to they're gonna teach college courses for decades about how this man rehabilitated. Crisis management PR at its finest. I just don't know how he did it because this man was public enemy number one 10 years ago. I was there. I was at the presser. And he smiled. He smiled through it. He knew the next day he was going to be suspended for a year at the Trenton Thunder post-game press conference as he was rehabbing. And he knew and he smiled because he knew. He knew. But he already was hatching his plan of how he would build his way back. And he did. And now we just have him on TV. With an assist from J-Lo. We have him just on TV just talking about baseball on the biggest stage of them all. And listen, Arod says a lot of goofy things that are just ridiculous on TV. When he gets to talking the nuts and bolts and the X's and O's, he's very good at it. He is. And especially in a studio show format, like a pre-post game, he's there's no one. Like, or arguably, I would say top five, top ten, pre-post game. He's meh in the booth. Yeah. In the booth, he's not good. But in a studio format, because akin to, and I hate that I'm making this analogy and you're going to start laughing, akin to the funeral director, and by that I mean the man with the transition sunglasses you see on Big Noon Kickoff. I am referring to Urban Meyer, of course. Um, No one better at rehabilitating their image, but also giving you everything you want, when in reality you know they're just a used car salesman. Yeah, that's exactly what A-Rod is. And Ortiz is just there yucking it up. same thing Urban is. He's a used car salesman. Either, you know... You accept it at know, face I'm value, over, which I I'm think Derek Jeter has. Derek Jeter has accepted that's who he is. He's his brother. He's just going to move on. I'm over these national pregame shows where it's just a bunch of dudes just laughing at inside jokes and very little actual analysis going on. It's television. television. I mean, they, they brought Greg Olson on to talk about baseball the other day. and I'm Just because just like, he was in Dallas. It, it just, I was just like, what are we even doing? That's Fox, so, baby. Let's cross pollinate. Energy, I know, I know. Well, well, apparently, Greg also, when he was at Miami, A Rod used to come work out down there. And of course, so they were, he's got yeah. a connection. To, that's how he rehabilitated yeah. his image, John. It's because he has been networking from the moment he left high school. Whether we like it or not, that's why he's got A-Rod Corp. That's why he had this media career already like on the back burner, ready to jump. It's why he met J-Lo. So, listen, it's, we may not like it, but embrace it. This is who he is. Well, you're going to like this next story here, Mia. Puppies. This is, this is a fun one. Yes. Adam Wainwright's official reason for retirement, you may ask? Because I got a puppy, he says. Cardinals pitcher went on the voluntarily retired list October 2nd, the day after the regular season ended, rather than wait to become a free agent after the World Series. And on your retirement papers, you have to give your reason for retiring. And he listed his new puppy. And it literally said, because I got a puppy, as his reason for retiring. His wife, Jenny, named the puppy Louie. That is the puppy. I, I don't know what kind Honor of St. Louis. Is. Some sort of a doodle, I would imagine. It, it would appear to be. Uh, if you were an athlete... Entering the world of retirement, Mia, what would be your retirement gift? First and foremost, Adam Wainwright, the pride of Brunswick, Georgia, and, of course, my good friends at Glenn Academy up there in the Golden Isles. Shout out to them. Um, the puppy is a close, close one for me. I love that. I would also, like, see, here's the thing. Like, knock on wood, every piece you can find, and, like, God willing, like, 
this career has taken me a lot of cool places, but I also would kind of want like a private helicopter or private jet with a pilot Hmm. because then I can go wherever. I kind of wish I had one of those now so I didn't have to fly commercial as much as I do. Um, So yeah, because I'd like to travel and if I'm not going to travel, then I want a puppy. So I am all here. Quite a different different price point there. Yeah. Hopefully I'll still have a deal with Pet Paradise then so I can just have the puppy go stay there for free. Um, But yeah, no, I would say either you're going to stay at home with a puppy or you need a jet so you can jet set. And What's what's your puppy's name that you're getting? Roscoe. Roscoe. Yeah, named after where I used to live on Roscoe Boulevard. I'm shocked that it's not some allusion to either Ithaca College, the Iowa Hawkeyes, or the Jacksonville Jaguars. No. It, well, it's a street I lived on in Ponte Vedra, so, I mean, nah, it's where I lived. I mean, it's, it's maybe not, like, very, like, on brand for me, but, yeah, no, I've already talked about it. It's dangerously not on brand for you. Also want um, a doodle, which I think Adam Wainwright has a doodle. Yeah, so. I, I mean, it looks like a doodle to me. It's not a golden yeah. doodle, but it looks like some sort of yeah, a doodle. Yeah, some type of doodle. I like that. Very it's fluffy. Very curly. Louie's a cutie. Doesn't he yeah. have kids? He's got kids. But was like it wasn't big... until he got a dog that he said, okay. Well, I just love it. It's literally on his official papers. It says, I got a puppy is the reason for with, that, with an exclamation point. I got a puppy exclamation point. Uh, I think mine would say I got a chef camp smoker. Yep, <laughs> like I was just going to say. Yep. <laughs> Like that's that's my uh, I got a Traeger, and like that's that's my retirement gift. Like, I just looked it up by the way. The Wainwrights have five children, but it wasn't until the puppy that that was the breaking point. Yeah. I think he just wanted to write that on the papers, which honestly, a kind of man. a G move. He plays music. It. He's got a puppy. He's got two hundred wins in his career. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to go in the Hall of Very Good. And may go in the Cardinals, depending yeah, on like, yeah, their for sure, situation. For sure. No, I'm yeah. definitely not may. Yeah. He definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great career. He got, I think he technically won two. He'll be World in the Glen County Sports Hall of Fame. That's true. So, I think he technically that. got two World Series rings, even though he won three. Because 2011, I'm pretty sure he missed the whole season. Yeah. But I'm curious if he would get a ring for that. Um, according to Wikipedia, he is listed as being a one-time World Series champion. Just so it'd be two. I I I messed that up. So it'd be one, and he didn't get the second one, Mm -hmm. even though he was on the team that won. He didn't play. No, they should have given it to him. That's dumb. So maybe Wikipedia is wrong. But no, I love the puppy. I love the bit. No, great career, great career. Yeah. Speaking of this, by the way, Tommy Pham earlier. Tommy Pham. The stuff's going to blow your mind. There are only two men in baseball history that have three four-hit games in the World Series. Tommy Pham is one of them. Do you know who the other is? Reggie Jackson? Albert Pujols. Oh, Albert Pujols and Tommy Pham sit alone in baseball history. Didn't they play on the Cardinals together at one point? They did. So that's a fun fact. How about that? Love that, Jerry. Uh, we got one more topic before our Beast of the Week. Let's, Let's pivot go to the hardwood. To the association. Here we are. A world in which Chris Paul plays on the same team as Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. He came off the bench for the first time in his 19 season career, though, because he's part of that all star lineup in 
the Bay area. I was going to say in Golden State, but in the Bay. That was in the Warriors' 106-95 win over the Rockets on Sunday. At that point, John Paul had started 1,365 career games. That includes the playoffs and the regular season. Since 1970-71, to that's the most consecutive starts to begin a career prior to coming off the bench for the very first time. Is this high-key one of the most impressive statistics that we've heard of? Undoubtedly. I didn't even realize it. Like, we talk about Cal Ripken and Lou Gehrig so often, but, like, hello. I mean, it's not consecutive games played, but every game that he did play, he started. He started, right, exactly. That's Especially in a league where where load management became such a thing, and guys would, if they played, they'd come off the bench and play for five minutes and just get in and get out. This is amazing. And it's a testament to Chris Paul because not only did he have that durability – but he did it at such a high level where he's going to go down as one of the greatest guards in the history of the game to have that statistical back. That is outstanding. Uh, just amazing. He hasn't won a world title out of it yet. Him and Al Horford both. I mean, at least Al's been to the big dance. I mean, I guess Chris Paul did too with the Suns. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough because then I, I wouldn't want to go game by game because I'm sure there's been games where he starts. Maybe he only ends up playing 20 minutes. Um load management, if you may. But the reality is, is he's going up against what the opposition has deemed as their best starting five that night for 1,000, I'm going to say it again, 1,365. And like you realize, that's crazy. We've talked about this before, but the caliber of talent in the NBA to be in a starting NBA lineup, these are the best athletes in the country on the big four sports. They are the best. So to be able to do that at that level for such a sustained period of time is truly impressive. And and I think I've always looked at Chris Paul as like a surefire Hall of Fame candidate. But now when I hear something like that, I'm like, man, this guy truly is one of the greatest players that the game has ever seen when you hear a stat like that. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure Golden State will win it all this year um, just because I think this is it. I think this is the last run of this core. Um, Draymond Green already banged up to begin the season, and so it'll be curious if they can kind of bring those pieces together, especially with those young cats they were counting on contributing. Because I do want to see Chris Paul win it all. It's the same thing I always say about Calais Campbell. Like, Chris Paul is going to be a Hall of Famer regardless, unlike Calais. Like, But I think there are voters in the NFL and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, the Pro Baseball. Like, there are those who will say, unless you want a big one, Unless you want it all, I'm not going to vote for you. And that's upsetting. No, it's hard to deny. Chris Paul, at the end of that, I mean, he is one of the best players ever. But to uh, to have this now underneath him, I, I think it's it's a fantastic nod. And kudos to him for doing this in style and class. And he was totally cool with it. And 19, God, that makes me feel old, doesn't it? 19 seasons for Chris Paul. Man. I mean, he's part of the banana boat game, gang. So I just remind myself that and also remind myself that LeBron James is nearing 40, but is still a top five player in the world, which yeah. is baffling. Um, and I think that that's almost what has made like Chris Paul and Car- Carmelo Anthony until he retired, like them doing what they were doing. It almost normalized it because it's like, oh, well, look at LeBron, even though let's be real, they all had had one to three years experience in college when they were drafted and LeBron was coming out as a fresh 18 year old. Um, But I think because by association, we're like, well, LeBron's still out here balling. So like, you know, Carmelo, get your ish together. Um, But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I think it does diminish what he's still doing at this age. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Mia beast of the week time. What was, or who was, or 
When was the most beastly thing you saw? John, today is a national holiday. Is this Iowa related? It's, yes. It's not just the fact that Brian Ferentz has been told that this is his last season. He will fulfill his duties through the bowl game, and then he will be relieved of his duties as offense coordinator. For me, the beast of the week in this situation is Beth Getz. So, primer for our listeners who may not be familiar. Beth is the interim athletic director at Iowa. She was the athletic director at Ball State. She was the associate athletic director at Minnesota. She's the interim People on campus love her. People in the industry think she's a rock star on the rise. She's one of the athletic directors who five, six years ago was pushing for NIL. So super, super progressive, very un-Iowa. And to her credit, her predecessor, Gary Barta, who technically was Brian Ferentz's boss because Kirk Ferentz's father couldn't be his boss, had set this ultimatum that if the Iowa Hawkeyes offense did not average 25 points a game, Brian would be let go. And then Gary Barta conveniently retired and disappeared into the night. And credit to Beth, because that is what leadership is. That is what an athletic director does. She used the bye week last week to evaluate the situation, to go to Kirk and Brian and say, hey, would we rather we make the announcement now? So the fan base, the recruits, everybody knows where they stand. And she did it. And to go up against the establishment, because the Ferences have been in Iowa City forever, And for her to do what she did as a female, and I know it sounds to many, it sounds elementary, but for a female athletic director in a state that has never had a female athletic director at the helm of its state university is just so, so huge, not just for the state of Iowa, but for college athletics as a whole. And so Beth Getz, my girl, you are my beast of the week. I'll hear that. I'm going to give some love to a, a guy. We talk about these players who just played forever. Uh, Joe Thorne retired this week from the NHL. 24-year career. I didn't realize NHL. it was that long. Oh, my God. 24-year, 44 years old. He hasn't played since the 2021-2022 season, but he did make it official uh, today, or two days ago, I should say, as he retired uh, from the league, entered the NHL number one overall pick, in 1997 by Boston, 15 seasons with San Jose, four-time All-Star, Olympic gold medalist, Hart Trophy winner, Art Ross Trophy winner, ranked seventh all-time in assists, 12th in points. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. He didn't get to win a Stanley Cup, but still, uh, great beard, which is very important, too, for taking a look at hockey players and where they rank all-time. Uh, Joe Thorne just always felt like a consistent. You could tune away from hockey for literally years and be like, oh, Joe Thorne's still playing. So uh, he hangs up the skates now. Beast of the week. Beast of the last two decades. Two and a half decades. So congratulations to him. Anything else you got here, Mia? No, I'm excited for the bye week. I may build the studio this okay. week, folks. So we may right. get back to having all my toys and and posters and other fun stuff. Just you wait. Just Love wait. to hear it. Love to hear it. This has been Out of Bounds Week. We'll see you next week. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.